bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these big signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik. And this is Tax Credit Tuesday. And, unfortunately, it's another government shutdown Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, October 15, 2013. I'll start this week's podcast with an update on the partial government shutdown as well as on the debt ceiling. Then, in New Market Tax Credit news, I have an update on Novogratz's New Market Tax Credit conference that was held in New Orleans last week. I also have an update from the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund on last month's Qualified Equity Investment issuance. Then, in our Long Closing Tax Credit segment, I share testimony from a recent hearing on the future of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I also discuss a letter urging the Senate to introduce a Hurricane Sandy Relief Act. Turning to Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, I have information on a report from the Interstate Renewable Energy Council on the photovoltaic system approval process. I'll also update listeners about changes to Louisiana's Solar Electric System Income Tax Credit Program. Finally, in our historic tax credit discussion, I'll review the list of the first round of applicants to Alabama's historic tax credit program. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I have an update on the partial government shutdown as well as the potential for raising the debt ceiling. This is the third Tax Credit Tuesday podcast that I'm delivering during the government shutdown, a shutdown which began, as you know, on October 1st. We're also just two days away from October 17th, the day that Treasury Secretary Jacob Liu has said the country will hit, or at least risk hitting, its debt ceiling. Now, by way of coincidence, it's also 24 years to the day of both the San Francisco earthquake and the founding of Novogratz and Company. Now, at the time of this recording, Congress has not passed legislation to address either situation. You may have heard President Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Biden were scheduled to meet with congressional leaders yesterday, Monday afternoon, to discuss funding the government and raising the debt ceiling. Scheduled to attend that meeting were the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. But shortly before the meeting was to begin, the White House announced it was postponing the meeting. They might think, "Uh uh-oh, is that bad news? Well, the White House said that the postponement was meant to give the Senate more time to work on, and I quote, a solution that raises the debt limit and reopens the government, end quote. So the White House postponement is generally seen as positive. Now, at the time of this recording, the president had not announced a new time for the meeting, and various interactions were still happening within the Senate and between the Senate and the House. 
Now, we'll continue to follow both situations and we'll provide updates via Twitter, breaking news alert emails, and potentially posts on the Notes from Novogratic blog. So please stay tuned. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, simply search Novogratic on Twitter and you can click follow me. And if you don't get the breaking news alerts, please go to www.novico.com, enter your email address in the breaking news box, and you'll get free breaking news alerts. And for the Novogratic blog, simply search Notes from Novogratic blog on Google. Now, when agreement is reached, or some details are more widely available, one item we'll be looking for is any reference to a way in which Congress and the President might be focused on achieving tax reform. So particularly stay tuned for that. In addition to a key date in October, of October 17th, as I mentioned earlier, there's also, tomorrow, October 16th, an election for the New Jersey Senate seat, and today, there's an election for the Massachusetts 5th District Congressional seat. And then there's also an election on October 19th for the Louisiana 5th District House seat. So it'll be interesting to see the results of these various elections, though most of them are probably fairly easy to predict. In New Markets Tax Credit News, I want to begin this segment with a big thank you to all those who attended the Novogratic New Markets Tax Credit Conference in New Orleans, Louisiana, last week. More than 600 industry stakeholders joined us in New Orleans for some great discussions about the New Market Tax Credit. Now, if you were unable to attend the conference, you need not worry. There's a recording of all the sessions that will be made available soon. If you're interested, send an email to products at novico.com and ask to be notified when the recording is available. Now, in other New Market Tax Credit news, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, CDFI Fund, released its latest Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report on October 1st. Now, among other things, this report identifies the total dollar amount financed by New Market Tax Credit allocatees and their amount remaining to be issued. About $307 million of qualified equity investments, or QEIs, were finalized last month. That's more than five and a half times the $54.6 million of QEIs issued in August. In fact, that's the highest amount invested in a given month year to date. The next highest was $142 million in July. Now, this sudden increase in activity is typical for this time of year because of deadlines and underlying allocation agreements. Also, allocatees were making every effort to close transactions so they could reference those closings and the usage of prior allocations in their recently submitted new market tax credit applications. As a matter of fact, in September of last year, about $1.1 billion of QEIs were finalized. Yes, that's $1 billion with a B. Now, as of October 1st of this year, the amount still available in New Markets Tax Allocation Authority is about $4.5 billion. Now, a large portion, if not a substantial majority of that $4.5 billion is likely already unofficially committed. If you would like help in finding an allocation, though, or closing a transaction, I encourage you to contact one of my partners, Annette Stevenson in our Cleveland, Ohio office, Owen Gray in our San Francisco office, or another Novogratic partner in an office near you. In low-income housing tax credit news, the U.S. Senate held a hearing on multifamily housing finance reform last week. During the hearing, 
Witnesses testified in favor of secondary market support for multifamily housing, including affordable rental housing. They also talked favorably about government-sponsored entities or GSEs multifamily programs. As you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are government-sponsored entities or GSEs. Now here are some highlights from the testimony. Thomas Bazzuto, testifying on behalf of the National Multi-Housing Council and National Apartment Association, said that any reform should include unique considerations for multifamily financing. E.J. Burke, who spoke on behalf of Mortgage Bankers Association, had similar thoughts. He added that Congress should keep successful elements of GSEs in any plans to replace Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Terry Ludwig of Enterprise Community Partners agreed. She said that any future system should encourage issuers of government-guaranteed securities to invest in low-income housing tax credit transactions. Shakar Narasimhan of Beekman Advisors went so far as to say that multifamily businesses are part of the solutions to problems in the housing finance system. He said, and I quote, every major principle articulated by stakeholders with regard to what a new housing finance system should look like is in practice at the multifamily businesses of the GSEs. Narasimhan argued that multifamily businesses at GSEs should be privately capitalized with government guarantees limited to only the securities they issue. Now, as talk of housing finance reform continues, it's crucial to inform lawmakers about the importance of attracting and using private capital in the multifamily market while maintaining liquidity. It's also important that the role of loan-raising tax credit transactions fit in. You can read the full testimonies on our Hot Topics page at www.novoco.com. In other affordable housing news, it's been nearly a year since Hurricane Sandy hit the eastern part of the country. Even now, affected states are still struggling to rebuild their communities. And regular listeners may remember that in May, Representative Bill Pascrell of New Jersey introduced the Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief Act of 2013. The House bill proposed increasing low-income housing tax credit and new markets tax credit authority in Sandy disaster areas. The bill is in the House of Ways and Means Committee, and it has 39 co-sponsors so far. However, at the time of this recording, no companion bill has been introduced in the Senate. That's why, last month, the New York State Association for for Affordable Housing drafted a letter to Senator Chuck Schumer. The letter urged him to introduce a Senate version of the Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief Bill. It said that introducing a bill quickly would help advocates generate momentum for final passage sooner. Now, this is important because bicameral support for Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief would show that Congress believes in the LIHCC and NMDC as effective community-building tools. We'll keep you updated on any future developments, and in the meantime, you can find a copy of the letter at www.taskforthousing.com. In Renewable Energy Task Credit News, I'd like to discuss a paper that the Interstate Renewable Energy Council, or IREC, released last week. The paper is titled, Minimizing Overlap in PV System Approval Processes, Case Studies and Analysis. The paper explores the approval process for residential rooftop solar systems and, more importantly, 
Recommendations for Reform. IREC undertook the study because soft costs, such as those related to permitting, can add a significant amount to total project costs. In the paper, IREC examines how the current approval processes affect small rooftop solar projects. The paper uses case studies to analyze this process in four different U.S. markets, including Broward County, Florida, Raleigh, North Carolina, Maui County, Hawaii, and White Plains, New York. It supplements the case studies with information from industry stakeholders throughout the country. The paper says that overall, the interconnection process for small solar systems across the country is fairly efficient and that the efficiency of review and approval processes is improving. However, IREC said that there is a lot of variation in the forms and supporting materials needed for local permit applications. It suggests that standardized application forms could simplify and streamline the process. IREC identifies ways that the process could be better sequenced to reduce redundancy and improve efficiency for all parties without sacrificing safety or quality. IREC also said that as rooftop PV solar projects become more popular, there will be a greater need for review. Now, if you want to learn more about IREC's suggestions, please go to www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you'd like a more in-depth discussion of rooftop solar and other renewable energy projects, as well as how capital is raised for them, I'd encourage you to attend the Novogratic Financing Renewable Energy Conference on November 7th and 8th in Washington, D.C. You can simply go to novocode.com and then click on the link above that says events. Now I'd like to switch gears and return to Louisiana and talk about their Solar Electric System Income Tax Credit Program. This is a program that provides a refundable income or franchise tax credit for the purchase and installation of certain residential renewable energy systems. Now, projects are capped at $25,000, and most importantly for many of our developer, installer, and investor clients, third-party lessors are able to claim the credit. The state legislature has amended the program with Act 428, passed in its last session. These changes went into effect on July 1st. Now, Act 428 does several things with respect to the law. It caps system size and installation costs, repeals the credit for wind energy systems, but expands the credit to include solar thermal systems. Unfortunately, it also drops residential rental apartments and condominiums from the program and sunsets the credit on December 31, 2017. And most unfortunate of all, it reduces the credit amount that third-party lessors can claim from 50% to 38%. That begins January 1, 2014 this reduction will most certainly affect the number of solar energy systems installed in the state. The only question is the magnitude of that impact. Solar developers often enter into lease agreements with homeowners to provide renewable energy, and as such, the credit ends up being passed through to the investors. And typically, a developer in these situations will bundle multiple properties into a single project and then claim the federal investment tax credit as well. This arrangement helps reduce the upfront costs for homeowners, and it provides indirect financing of installation costs for the developer. And then the state tax credits can provide some additional financing to reduce the upfront costs for the homeowner, as well as the installation costs financing for the developer. 
Now, without this subsidy at this higher rate, it may not be cost-effective for developers to install some systems at some properties. Now, if you want to learn more about these changes in Louisiana, please visit the state legislation page at www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you have questions as to how this change in state law could affect a project that you're considering, I encourage you to contact my partner, Stephen Tracy, at 415-356-8000, or send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In historic tax credit news, we have an update to the Alabama historic tax credit story that we covered two weeks ago. The Alabama Historical Commission recently announced the order it would review applications for its $20 million historic tax credit program. Now, as you may recall, the Commission awards the credits on a first-come, first-served basis. As such, application review order is critical. Well, there were 21 applications submitted on the first day. So, the Commission used a lottery system to determine the review order. I should note here that the review order doesn't guarantee a tax credit reservation. Applicants still need to meet the various requirements of the program. Now, most of the applicants were from larger cities. Nine projects are in Birmingham. The rest are in Mobile, Montgomery, Tuscaloosa, Anniston, and Huntsville. Projects range from apartments and military barracks to office buildings and hotels. Some listeners may know that before this year, Alabama was one of the only states in the region without its own historic tax credit program. South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, and Louisiana all have one. Alabama lawmakers approved funding for the program for three years, and that three years was set to test the public's interest in the program. With 21 applicants on the first day alone, it seems like Alabama won't see a shortage of interest in the historic tax credit anytime soon. If you have questions about state historic tax credit programs, please contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. You can also go directly to the Novogratic State Historic Tax Credit page at www.historictaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday, and hopefully it won't be a government shutdown Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.